Welcome everybody, this is How To English, Teach and Learn with Gav and Em. It's a podcast about teaching and learning English as a foreign language. All opinions stated are personal and references will be given when necessary. Ready for some fun? I am. This is going to be a super fun episode because this is episode number... 18. And it's called... Confusing Words. It is very confusing. English can be quite confusing, M. Life can be quite confusing, Gav. That might be why we've done so many episodes on words. For example, season one, episode 12, how to vocabulary. Season one, episode 36, called... Wording. Mm-hmm. And season three, episode 13, which was simply titled Words. Words are... Um... Words, words, words. Words. I got a bit tongue-tied then. Words. Words can be your friend. Words can be your enemy. Sometimes they're your frenemy. That's right. And... Friend and enemy, they're opposites. And that's a bit like what we're doing today, Gav, isn't it? We're looking at two or maybe more words and the differences. Yes, they are often confusing and may take us down a completely different avenue. So we're going to analyse some similar but different words. Maybe they're similar in your language. Maybe they look like words in your language. But as soon as you use them in English, they may have another meaning. The spelling might be similar. The meaning different. The apostrophe could change everything. They could be false friends as well, as you said, Gav. Now, before teaching these words to our students, Em, we might want to ask them, are there any words that they typically get wrong or they might find confusing or they know other students or other speakers using English who typically make these mistakes? So try to elicit from your students... If you've got those kind of students, I always say, those are not my students. (laughs) Really? Oh, lots of my students love volunteering. They say, Gav, when my friend speaks English, they typically make this mistake and confuse these two words, which makes everybody laugh and have so much fun in the meetings. If you can think of a real example, that's really nice. But I think you might need to give an example yourself and then it jogs the memory. I think the first one I go to is... I was talking to my student and they said to me, Gav, our chef in the office is always so grumpy and telling us to get our work done. And I say, wow, you've got a chef in your office. That's amazing. What do they cook? Is that the daily menu? Mm. And can you see what the problem is with that sentence, Em? Yeah, Gav, it's the common mistake of chief and chef and chef cooks food and chief is like manager or boss. Yeah, I would start with that example because by giving that example, it leads to people then saying, oh yeah, I remember when so-and-so said whatever it was. It might spark that thought process. Yeah, it's hard just to say, give me an example of a word that gets mixed up because my students just go blank. Yeah, some people might be able to. Well, I decided to support my students and the followers today, and possibly you too, Em, by writing a list of 70, yes, 70 confusing words or phrases. You've been busy. And I thought what we could do is present these words in a classroom style, so through activities and games. Games and activities sounds perfect. 
Cool. So I'm going to begin. And what I'd like you to do is just have a look at this list. I'm going to email it to you now. Are you ready? Yeah. Whoosh. Mm, that was a good sound effect. Click, click, click. Bing. Have you received the file? Got it. Excellent. Right, open the file. And you can see a list of 70 confusing words and phrases. I can. Now, I thought our first activity could be to elicit the word. Now, at random, M, I want you to choose a number, and then I want you to elicit each of the words written next to the number and see if I can guess what these words are. And it should show you that I understand the difference between these two similar words. Should we do a demonstration first? Well, we are demonstrating. Let's just get on with it. It yeah. literally is the demonstration, is the activity. This is so cool. Lovely. I like it. So I'm going to choose at random number 35. And just for disclosure, I have now closed the PDF. So I don't know what number you're looking at. No cheating. No. So number 35. First word is, this is something people do in... Groups, usually, when they hear something and they think that it's very interesting and they want other people to know this thing, but they may not be right and they may not have facts, but they've heard it. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on. <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, okay, something. Let's go back to the first idea. What people do together, maybe while they're waiting for their kids to come out of school at the school gates and they've got some interest. Chatter. Yes. Gossip. Yeah, gossip. But the other one is actually... So let me just say gossip would be when you maybe tell someone some information about other people. It might be a little bit secretive and possibly true, possibly not true. But this is where it gets really hard because that was my other word and I started saying, yeah, this not very, not grounded in fact, perhaps you've just heard it and you're not sure it's true. It's a bit different from gossip because gossip is mixed maybe, stuff that's interesting that you want other people to know. But this other word is a word that means, yeah, you're not sure if it's factual or maybe you've just got the wrong end of the stick, but you're spreading this thing around. Oh, that must be a rumour. The spreading helped, didn't it? It did, because it sounded really negative when you said that. Yeah. So gossip and rumour. Well, they're very similar. But I wouldn't use rumour as a verb, to be honest, to rumour. I wouldn't use that. I would say I've heard a rumour. Oh, yeah. Mm, But gossip is a verb as well as a noun. Very well described. Give me another one. That was fun. It's your turn now. Oh. I'm going to close mine. Okay, let me open mine. I need a breather. It was hard. I hope the listeners, watchers, readers also guessed those two words and could describe possibly better than us the differences between them. I didn't realise how similar they were until I started trying to describe them. That might not have been the best one to start with. I'm sorry. You're going to do much better, I'm sure. My next one, I'm not going to tell you the number just to make it harder because you might have memorised all of the words under all of the numbers. So the next one is our podcast, which is called How to English Teach and Learn with Gav and M, is divided into a number of shows. And I want a synonym for a show. Episode. Correct. So an episode. Now, After a series of episodes, 
you can collect them, put them all together and say, this is one... Series. You just said series. No? Season? Season. Season. Yeah, which is a synonym for series. Yeah. Serial, season, series. I think they're all synonyms. They must be. Some are American, though. I think season was an American word. Serial sounds quite American. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of breakfast cereal. Which is a different spelling of cereal. That's it, exactly. Right, keep moving, Em. This is so much fun. I'm not going to look. I'm just going to randomly pick. This one is a very dry place with lots of sand. A sand pit? No, bigger. Much bigger in hot countries. A beach? No, it's not next to the sea. A desert? Desert. Okay. And the other word is something sweet after dinner. You have something like ice cream or cake. That must be a dessert. You got it. A dessert's got double S. That's it. That's how I recognise the difference. Yeah, it's hard to remember though. When you see them and they're not together, you know, you see them next to each other and you think, oh, that's easy. But when you see them in a sentence, you need context, I guess. Absolutely. And I think even when you're speaking, you might accidentally say the Sahara dessert. Yeah, my students do make that mistake with pronunciation. Which sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah, it does. But then if you say, I was walking through the dessert, (laughs) that would be weird. I'm picturing it now. There's some pudding with my footprints going through it. And the desert was so tasty, I ordered more. (laughs) And I ordered extra sandcastles. Yeah, yeah. So context is important, everyone. My turn. Now this... Financial related word is given to you by the bank if you want to buy a house. Credit. Specifically, a house. Mortgage. A mortgage. That's it. Not a mort gauge, but a mortgage. Silent T, yeah. And we talked about this word before, didn't we? In our quiz episode, mortgage means, do you remember, Gav? It's a death pledge. Wow, you remembered that really well. It was such a good episode. You're never going to forget death pledge. What episode was that, Em? That was episode 16, season 3. Nice. Or series 3. And the other word I would like you to guess and then explain to me is, you could say mortgage is under the umbrella of this word. Maybe you get it from a bank. Maybe you get it from a friend. This is the borrowing or lending of money. It's a... Loan. That's it. So that is a more general word. Loan is the, can I borrow £10, Gav? then you give me a loan. Mm, But the interest rates are pretty high these days. Or in the Bank of Gav. The Bank of Gav. So I'd have to pay that back. They are very similar though. Next one then. If you are on a train late at night, someone you don't know gets on the train carriage, that person would be... A ticket inspector. No. (laughs) Somebody you don't know who doesn't work for the train company. And they maybe just stand there or they ask you a question, but it's not important what they're doing. The point is you don't know who they are. They are a... <laughs> it's a real picture here, Em. Yeah, I know. Um... It's getting very dark. <laughs> you said it was dark. Is it a stranger? Yeah. Oh. When I was a kid, it was always this message, stranger danger. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I, when I teach the word stranger, I typically say... You hear a knock on your door, you open it, you don't know the person. This is a door-to-door salesperson, which is also a stranger. That's not that different from my train example. I know, but yours was getting really dark about, like, late at night, you're on your own. (laughs) 
And You're this a... is where my, you know, background trauma of stranger danger comes from. I think stranger is just somebody you don't know. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, have to be a negative word. I need to recalibrate my brain because that is a fact, isn't it? I didn't know them. They were just a stranger. That doesn't mean it's a negative. You walk past strangers every day. Okay. So we're very established with what a stranger is. Let's contrast it with if you go to live in another country and you are... Migrate? No. Immigrants. Wait a minute. So you're living in a different place, not your home country. You've moved abroad. So in that example, you are a... You are a foreigner. You are a foreigner. Yeah. Stranger and foreigner. Which are very confusing for some students. I've taught in some countries and students absolutely didn't know the difference. And maybe it's because they don't have these two different words in their language. Mm, Interesting. Okay, let's draw that to a close. We're going to move on to the next activity. So we could say the first one was elicitation. You could use that as a technique in the classroom. You could play that as a kind of game between the students. It doesn't have to be teacher describing to the students or vice versa, but it could be done as a group activity where the students maybe get a card with the two words and they need to elicit from the other students giving examples of the differences. I think it's a bit of an upgrade on taboo, to be honest, because taboo is good. You have a word where you can't say words to describe that word. But this is really challenging because the words are so similar. It is a challenge to actually describe it well. Taboo? That's activity seven. Is it? Right. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't have said anything. Coming back to my first one, I did get a bit mixed up with gossip and rumour. So I had to really think about it. And it's really good if you tell the students to look at them before they start speaking. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess you would have already taught these and then you're just doing this as a revision activity. Yeah, yeah, it really shows they've understood it. Now, our second activity is called telling a story. Uh Uh-huh. Using the words. Oh, nice. So I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to use two different words but are sometimes confused. So let's see if I could do it. Now... I want you to spot the two confusing words that I will use in my story. So I'm listening out for some maybe close related confusing words. That's it. Now, quite recently, I was walking down the street and I saw some pigeons. And I thought, these pigeons are very unusual. Do you know why, Em? No, Gav. Because they were very quiet. Hmm. Did you spot the two words that Is I that used? that the end? That's it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I really was just so absorbed in the story. Do you want to hear it again? I yeah. can't say it's word for word because I'm completely improvising right now. All right, yeah. Quite recently, I was walking down the street and I saw some pigeons and I thought, oh, that's very unusual. The pigeons are very quiet. <laughs> I really don't know. I'm guessing quiet is one. What was the first word of my story? Quite. <gasps> Oh, wow. That was subtle. So quite and quiet. Mm. Quite recently, meaning not that long ago. A bit recently. A bit recently. For example, quite, meaning it was quite big. It was a bit big. Yeah. And quiet, meaning not loud. Mm -hmm. And it's always good to point out quite one syllable, quiet two syllables. That's it. The spelling's similar and, yeah, they are confusing. That was really subtle. I'm going to have to step up to this one, aren't I? 
This is hard to improvise. So maybe if you did this in the lesson, you'd give your students a bit of time to prepare and write down maybe a few notes. I think you might need some quite creative students on this one. Yeah. I like the idea they're sitting down, maybe write a short paragraph that contains the two confusing words and the other students have to spot and identify and then clarify the difference in meaning. Exactly. My turn. I'm getting a bit bored of always being asked the same question by my friend. Every time I meet her, she asks me whether the weather's going to be nice. And it gets a bit boring. I think I got those words, Em. Yeah, it was it. <laughs> Maybe it was quite easy. It's actually really hard to do the way it you did. It sounded wonderful. I like the way you said weather the weather. Mm. So I'm guessing the two words were weather, meaning if, mm-hmm. and weather, meaning climate. That's right. So weather with a WH is like if, and weather with a WEA is like the climate. Can I tell you my weather rhyme? Yes, please. Whether the weather be fine or whether the weather be not, whether the weather be cold or whether the weather be hot, we'll weather the weather, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. And there was one more weather in there, Gav, for a bonus point. There was the if kind of weather, there was the climate kind of weather, and there was another weather. Did you get it? To weather the weather. To weather the weather. So weather as a verb. Is that W-E-A-T-H-E-R? Yeah, it's the same spelling. So we'll weather the weather. Meaning to endure. That's right. Like survive, last. Nice. That's genius. Thanks for that little bonus, M. That's right, Gav. You're next, I think. Right. So my story begins when I was shopping last week. I was going through the store, I was window shopping and strolling through the shops when I decided to buy a new hat. I bought my hat and I got the receipt and I said thank you very much to the salesperson. I moved further into the shop and I thought, ah, they've got a chemist's. I'm going to pick up my prescription. And I said thank you very much. After that, I moved to the last part of the shop which had books. And I thought, oh, this is a good bookshop. I like this. And I picked up a book and I saw there's a cookery book. And I turned to the last page and I thought, I'm going to buy this book. This has got everything I want. It's got some wonderful recipes of all my favourite dishes. So I bought it. Em, can you guess what my three confusing words were? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I can. But can I just establish this shop was like a department store because you bought a hat... You bought medicine and a recipe book in one shop. Yes. That is impressive. And you also paid and moved to a different part of the shop, which they don't usually let you do that. Quite right. I should have mentioned it was a department store. Right. You're in a big department store. So I think the first one was receipt, the piece of paper they give you when you buy something. Em, I'm nodding. Just for the podcast listeners, watchers, readers, I am nodding at this point. The second one was your prescription for your medicine, which is the paper the doctor gives you to take to the chemist or the pharmacy. That's it. Did I explain that right? Did I say I picked up the prescription? I think the prescription is the paper and it's also the medicine, isn't Mm, it? Confusing, confusing, confusing. Even more confusing, yeah. So we do talk about the prescription being the actual medicine itself, but you get a prescription from the doctor to go and get your prescription. It's all the same thing. And the last one would have been the recipe, not the receipt. Three syllables. That's it. Yeah, which is how to make a dish, what you need and how to cook it. It's the ingredients, it's the instructions, 
Precisely. Em, you got them. That was a bit easier. One more from me, and then we'll change it, I think. Let's do... I have always been good at puzzles. I've always loved crosswords and word searches and all these kind of word puzzles that require a lot of time and brain power. And I like sitting quietly, just looking at these puzzles and eventually I do them and I think, wow, that was good and I did it really well and I didn't check the answers or cheat and it gives me a great feeling. Oh, I was just enjoying the story. Sorry. Um, yeah, see? Made it a bit harder this time. You did. You made it really difficult. Do you want a clue? Maybe. We're looking for adjectives and adverbs. I just remember you said something about puzzles and you enjoy them. Yeah. And... What was my first thing I said? I've always been... Avid. No. I've always been... Keen. Good at. I've always been good at puzzles... I can do them really... Well. Mm-hmm. Ah, good. The adjective describing things, nouns, and well, the adverb describing verbs. That's right. But I suppose it was hard because I said to be good at something. Oh, that was a tricky one, then. It was a bit. So I could say it's a good crossword. That would have been slightly better. But still, I don't think I would have spotted those words, Emma. And I don't know if any of our followers spotted them either but it's a common one and a lot of my students say i do crosswords good they often get it wrong they don't know the irregular adverb usually they just use good for everything Mm. i did that good yeah is a common mistake i think so my last one which is i went to a drama club and the teacher put us into pairs so i said to my partner hey see that couple over there They're not talking to each other. I wonder what's wrong. Mm. The end. (laughs) Did you get them? I think so. Was it only two? No, three of them. Three? three. Oh, I didn't get three. So I got a couple. Was it one of them? Shall I tell you again? Yeah. The teacher at the drama club put us into pairs. And I said to my partner, look at that couple over there. I can only hear two. The couple over there. So that's couple. The teacher put us... Yeah, I said couple and pairs. Into pairs. Pairs. And I said to my... Partner. Oh, well, partner's only one. I didn't think they were that similar. Oh, all right then. So partner is one. Yeah. Couple and pair. I've never remembered the difference. Couple. Well, they might be together romantically. Well, yeah, we have that meaning for it. They are a couple. Yeah, but if you just say, I saw a couple of people, that doesn't mean they're a... Romantic couple. You couldn't say a pair of people. No. You could say a pair of shoes. Hang on, I'm getting a bit lost. So couple is romantic if you say they are a couple, but if you say a couple of people, that's not romantic. Mm. Pair, yeah, pair, match, always. One two. Not always. A pair of a pair of shoes that match. What pairs don't match in? I'm trying to think. If I said I saw a pair of children, would that mean they were twins? Would you say a pair of children? No, I wouldn't. I'm just wondering. If a couple I'm... of children. Yeah, right. So it's only matching things. What about twins? Could you say... A pair of twins. That's okay. Wow. So you're right. They do match. They do. I think we've just cracked it. Okay, good. Moving on. Our next activity is called gap fill or multiple choice. 
Can't get excited about this one, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. But I would call it something other than gap fill. That doesn't sound like fun. I'd be like, oh, gap fill. How about word in the middle? Yeah, all right. Space race. Fill the line. <laughs> yeah, these are a bit better. Than... What's missing? Yes. Your key words are job and work. Use these words in the correct sentences. Oh, I see. You're going to tell me the sentence, are you? Yeah, I'm going to tell you the sentence and you need to put the words in the correct sentence. All right. So could it be the same word in both or it's... Let's find out. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of easy. (laughs) Here's the first one. He has a new... Job. Right. And the second one, she... Blank. Really hard. She works really hard. Mm. Can you explain the difference between those two words? Well, in the first one, it's a noun. He has a job, a new job. The second one, it's a verb. So those are easy to work. Are there ever times when these words become quite confusing? There are. And I think it starts to get a bit fuzzy when you say, I have a lot of work. I have a lot of jobs. Well, it's just uncountable and countable, isn't it? I've got a lot of work. That's one big thing. Could be lots of things involved, but it's one big thing. But I've got a lot of jobs to do. You have got individual tasks. That's the difference. So essentially, they're the same in meaning. Yeah. But if I say I have a lot of jobs, I could have a babysitting job and a restaurant job. And then I go to the cinema and I work there in the evening. Definitely. You couldn't say I have a lot of work in the same sense. No. Got it. Next one. All right, Gav, you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Your two words are fell and felt. Fell and felt. F-E-L-L and F-E-L-T. First sentence. The cyclist, blank, off his bike. Fell off his bike. And the second one is I, blank, tired after hiking all afternoon. I felt tired after hiking all afternoon. Explain. Fell is the past of fall. It's the action of going from a higher altitude to lower and, I guess, hitting the floor (laughs) to fall. And felt is the past of to feel. And feel is that sense of touch. Yeah, or feeling, like emotion. Emotion, yeah. Good. Your turn. The two words for our next gap fills are... Shade and shadow. Mm. We sat in the blank under the tree. Shade. The statue created an unusual blank on the ground. That's shadow. Mm. So I know them. I'm not sure I know why. So let me think. Shade, shadow. We've got uncountable, countable. Shade is uncountable. We can't say shades. If we say that, we're talking about sunglasses. That is a synonym for sunglasses. Yeah. (laughs) But usually if you're talking about an area out of the sun, it's the shade. And we say the shade. But shadow is countable. You can have many different shadows on the ground from different buildings. So is that the rule? Is that why a statue has a shadow? I mean, I suppose a statue has a shadow and it's also shade. Is it protective? Exactly. I think of shade being an area where you can sit out of the sun. So you're protected Mm. by a building or some other structure. Shade is always a shadow, but a shadow is not always shade. If it's like a 
lamppost or something. Yes, you're absolutely right, Em. I've seen great photos of sheep on a field that are all standing in the shade of this tree and mm. they are making the shape of the tree and like there's one sheep in a line where the trunk is and then there's this huge big collection of them at the top where the tree is so I think they're standing in the shadow of the tree and it's shade mm. if the sheep disappeared you'd say wow look at that shadow from the tree but as the sheep come under the tree you say oh it's creating some nice shade mm. I like that. Maybe if I can find that picture, I will post it in the show notes. Yeah, that would be nice. Our next activity, M, is called Roll the Dice. Sounds risky. Now, I want you to explain the differences between these confusing words. I'm going to send you a link to online-dice.com and you can roll them on your computer and you tell me what number they are. Hold on a minute. Roll... What... OnlineDice.com? You mean there's a dice that I can roll on my screen? Yes, let me send you the link. I have it now. I'm opening. I can see... (gasps) That's really cool. Can you choose how many die? Yes, one die, two dice. I can choose how many sides I've got. So six sides? Six sides, standard dice. Cool. And I can choose the (laughs) colour. Okay, I'm going to choose green. Roll the dice when you're ready, and then the number that comes up, say, for example, if it lands on the 5 and the 2, that will be 52, and then the number in your PDF, you can describe the differences between these two words. That's really cool. Can you see my screen? No. Because I just did that one dice roll, and it's 52. Is it really? It's a 5 and a 2, but it's 2 first and then 5. That's a bit spooky. Kind of. So I'm going to do 25... That's really weird. The two words I have are dead and died. Oh, they're very confusing for students. And it can be a very awkward situation when the student tells you, my dog dead yesterday. And you say, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. And you want to say, your dog died yesterday. Yeah, so I think you've just given me my example because you need to use a verb and dead is not a verb. Die is the verb, died is the past, and dead is the adjective. That is a fantastic summary. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, roll the dice for me, Em, because I want to do one. What's the number? Three and four. Three and four would be 34, and I can see... Oh, no. This is four and two. Now, four and two are really difficult. Um, For example, that's good. For example, (laughs) you might say, I bought this gift for my cousin. Not to my cousin, but for my cousin. I went to Africa to do a safari. Mm. That's called infinitive of purpose. The reason why you do something is to enjoy, to find out, to explore, etc. So there's two examples of four and two. Yeah, it gets confusing when students say the pen is for writing, which is correct, for writing noun. I think what gets mixed up is when you say, for example, this pen is to write my name. Mm -hmm. But you can also say the pen is for writing my Mm. name. So for a noun, yes, for writing or for my job. So that's the Purpose. purpose of the pen. But the 
pennies to write my name or the pennies to write something is the function of mm. the pen. And you're right when you say for plus verb ing. Which becomes a gerund, which is like a noun. Aha! So these sunglasses are for protecting my eyes. Yeah, a lot of my students would say for protect my eyes mm. or for write my name. So remember to use that gerund. Dice roll. The next number is 44. Four and four, 44. Invitation and invention. Well, that's easy, if you know. Invitation is a written formal request for your attendance at a party or an event. Could be spoken. You're right, it could be spoken. And now we have Zoom invitations and Teams invitations. So, yeah, it's a request for your presence at some event somewhere. And an invention is the first time something is made. Like the bicycle was a great invention of the, I think, 19th century. And the mobile phone is another really important invention. So before that was invented, we didn't have it. Last one. Roll the dice. The number is three and one. Thirty-one. Lose. I lose my glasses every day. And loose. My trousers are very loose and I need to wear a belt to keep them up. Mm. Lose and loose. One O, two O's. Nice example. Now, our last activity, M, because you've already mentioned taboo. I also had charades. What was charades? Mm, that's when you don't say anything and you act the word. That would be really tricky. But, for example, if I did number 39, now I'm going to act this out. I'm going to mime these two words and then you can tell me what they are and then maybe you can tell me what's the difference between them. All right. Can I describe what you're doing as I look at you? Yes. Your hands are taking something from me. And then you looked at your watch like there's some time gone past and you then gave it back. So I think that is borrow. Borrow is the correct word. You want to borrow something for a short time and then give it back to me. Mm-hmm. And the other word I'm going to demonstrate is this one. <laughs> okay, you're just passing me something in the air. And oh, and then you're pointing at your watch like, that's it, time up, give it back. So you're beckoning this thing back to you. So I think it's lend, like you lent something to me and now you want it back. That's it. And those two words are very confusing. Did you like my mimes, M? I did. They were very good. Very expressive. So that could be an activity that you could do with your students in the classroom. Yeah. Can I try one? Oh, all right then. So the first one is... Now, M has just, I think opened a bottle of something, drunk something, and has died. <laughs> I think that must be poison. You got it. <laughs> the next one. Em is moving her arm around and the hand like it's some sort of animal, like a snake, and then it attacked her, it bit her, and then... She died again. <laughs> I died twice. You did. Is that venom? 
That's venom. Venom from a snake bite. Yes. That's really good. Oh, they're very similar words. And maybe in some languages, they just don't have those two different words. Maybe not. Venom is always from an animal. Poison is more general. So it could be in a liquid form or something you drink. But I guess venom is a poison to the body. So we could use it like that. I hope that's right. Right. So coming directly from the animal, we would say is venom. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Maybe if you saved it and then dripped a couple of drops into your worst enemy's drink and they drank it, it would be poison. I don't know. Wow. The last activity I had was Pictionary, but maybe Pictionary isn't going to work on a podcast then. Probably not. It would be a bit hard. The way that you can do that, Em, even online, is to use AutoDraw. Oh. AutoDraw is an online platform where you can draw a picture. I'm just sending you a link to it now. Maybe you could just demonstrate a couple of the words for me. One sec. Yeah, I've got that. Start drawing. It's easy. Got a big screen with a pencil. Lovely. I can make shapes. Let's imagine you're sharing the screen with your students or maybe you're in the classroom and you're projecting this on the board and you have the two words and you need to describe them to us. So what's your first drawing? Okay, Emma, you've had a minute to draw these words. Are these the two different words? Yeah, on the left and then the other one is on the right. On the left I can see some irregular squares. They are... Telling me something, shapes, that's a nice drawing. And on the right side, I can see maybe a t-shirt and some trousers, socks, pants. Um, I think you're describing the difference between uh, fabric, um, textiles. Yeah, but okay. on the right, what Clothes. The... Clothes. Clothes is on the right. What's the similar word on the left that's like material? Cloth. Cloth and cloves. So cloth is unprepared or uncut material. And cloves are cut and designed and stitched sewn items of clothing. So you would use a cloth to clean your mirrors. You could cut up a t-shirt and then it would become cloth, wouldn't it? But it is just a random piece of material, isn't it? A cloth. Or we use cloth to make clothes. Mm. But when your students say, I have new cloth, they often say that to me. But I think they mean new Mm t-shirt, trousers, jackets, that kind of thing. Clothes, clothes, clothes. That is a very good way to describe the differences between the two confusing words. I want you to draw me one now. Right, I've done a drawing for you, Em, with two different pictures. And I'm depicting... Two very confusing words in English. See if you can guess what the two words are. Here we go. Let's have a look. There's a house on the left without anybody. Correct. You've got the first word. Anybody? House. House. And on the right side, there's a house with three people outside. So a house with people becomes... A home. Oh, that was beautiful. That's so perfect. I love that. Quite poetic, isn't it? I might have helped you a little bit there. Yeah, you did. I would never have got that. I would have been like (laughs) hostel or, I don't know, hotel. So thank you to autodraw.com for their 
cool and simple app that we can use online or in the classroom. So don't forget, you can share your screen with your teacher, with your students, with your partners, and you can all play the game together, drawing and describing the similar or different words for the others to guess. I am totally going to do this next week. Thank you for giving me my lesson plan. It is my pleasure. So unfortunately, we haven't gone through all of the words. We had so many, but we've done a good portion of them. So maybe we could come back to this next time for our next confusing word episode in the future, Em. I'd like that. We could do a part two. And thank you to all of the websites where I borrowed a few of these confusing words. I'll put lots of links in the show notes so you can go and have a look and check out their wonderful article. So thank you to them. M, I will simply and clearly, without being confusing, say to you, thank you. It was a delight. And I'm looking forward to our next show next time where Gavin M from How to English. This is not simply. This is, this is getting deep. Convoluted. <laughs> it's just going on and on. M, see ya. Bye, Gav. Bye. Bye.